going to be in that chapter for uh, some time tonight. As we get started, I've got to say this. Billy, I, I relate to this little boy. I've been there. You're called up to the blackboard in class to do a problem. You do the problem and you get your answer and the teacher says, you're wrong. You failed. And all you can do is just hit your head on the blackboard because you don't know what to do next. What do we do when we fail? How does it impact us? The story is told about a, a new CEO of a company. And the outgoing CEO had a, a few words to share with the new guy. He said, in your desk, you will find three envelopes. You're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. When you make your first mistake, open envelope number one. When you make your second mistake, open envelope number two. When you make your third mistake, open envelope number three. Well, lo and behold, everything was going pretty well until about two weeks into his new term as a, a CEO. And he made a blunder. He made a big blunder. So he opened up envelope number one. It said, when you make a mistake, blame me, the old CEO. So that's what he did. He made an announcement that he said, all of this is because of the guy that was the old CEO and he made it, he made a, a, a mess and I inherited all this and it's all his fault. And everybody accepted the explanation. Well, things were rocking along okay and then he, make his, he made his second mistake. So he opened up the second envelope. The second envelope said, Blame the board. So that's what he did. He got up and said, this mistake would not have been made if it wasn't for the board. They made it. They caused it. And the investors all agreed. Well, things were going pretty well again until he made his third mistake. So he goes to the desk. He opens up the envelope. The third envelope says, prepare three envelopes for the new CEO. What do we do when we fail? Do we blame people? You know, some, some say that, you know. They, it's sad to say that that's what a lot of people do when they fail. They look for someone else to blame, and when that fails, they just quit. But when we fail, that doesn't need to be fatal. It doesn't need to be fatal if we just admit our own mistakes and learn from those mistakes. Sometimes in life, we get so caught up in our own successes that we can fall flat on our face. That's what happened to Jesus' original followers. You know, they were casting out demons. They had been already sent out by Jesus. They were healing sick people, and they were becoming very popular with the people, with the masses. 
In fact, three of them had gone to the top of the mountain with Jesus. And there they had met Moses and Elijah. I mean, they had a true mountaintop experience. And then they come crashing down. Because there's a problem that they can't solve. And they fail. Big time. What to do? Let's see what those disciples learn, and hopefully what we can learn tonight. Let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and, and the scribes arguing with them. They're in an argument. Okay? They're arguing. And immediately, we see that word all the time here in Mark, immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and they ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Jesus wants them to confront the problem. And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. They failed. They failed big time. A distraught father a distraught father comes to Jesus' disciples for help, except this time the disciples can't do it. This time the disciples failed. Why? Well, look at what Jesus told them in verse 19. And he answered them, O faithless, circle that word faithless, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. What's the problem? Lack of faith. You know, they had done this so many times before. And they had become so good at it that they had become self-confident. And they forgot to do what? Depend on God. You know, it was a, a subtle form of unbelief. It was the unbelief of pride. Pride. You know, pride is a problem. An attitude of unbelief. An attitude of self-confidence in your own abilities based on past success had exposed them to do what? To fail. To fail. This is the first lesson we're going to learn tonight. When we fail, don't depend on yourself. Instead, depend on Jesus. Lean on Jesus. Keep on believing in Him. Keep on trusting in the Lord. Continue to rely upon Him, even if you've been a Christian for a while. 
Because as soon as we stop relying on the Lord, just like His first disciples, we too will fail. The story is told about the woodpecker, fictional story, and, and the woodpecker was, you know, pecking on the, the tree. Skies got dark, started thundering. Suddenly, a bolt of lightning came out of a, one of the clouds and hit that tree, and that tree just split in two. The woodpecker was okay. He flew to the next tree. And he kept on saying, wow, look at me. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. You know, sometimes you and I can be like that woodpecker. We can put, we can put our confidence in ourselves. You know, that, that woodpecker, he failed to realize that a power far greater than itself had splintered that tree. He just happened to be at the right place at the right time. So it is when we fail to recognize that a power far greater than ourselves is at work in our lives. We just happen to be at the right place at the right time. That's when we have to be very careful. Not to step back and say, well, look at what I did. Look at what I did. Because as soon as we do that, we set ourselves up to fail. The unbelief of pride will eventually cause us to fail each and every time. It had caused these disciples to fail right here. So in all of our efforts, in all of our efforts, we must keep on trusting the Lord. We must continue to rely on Him because Jesus will succeed when we fail all the time. Look at verse number 20. And they brought the boy to Him. And when the Spirit saw Him immediately, oh, here comes that word again, immediately, it convulsed the boy. And He fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked His Father, now notice, we're going to come back to this, he asked the father a question. How long? How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But, but if you can, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. You know, it's not a question of his ability. He's God the Son. It's a question of who? Our faith. Look at verse number 24 now. Uh, immediately, that word again, immediately the father of the child cried out. Can you feel the emotion here? Can you feel the utter hopelessness? The need? The emotion? He cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I, I like this father. 
I love the honesty of that father's reply. Perhaps he had come in faith hoping that either Jesus or the disciples could heal his son. But Jesus' disciples had failed him and now he's not for sure. That father's faith is, is wavering. Verse 25, And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. He doesn't wait until there's a big crowd around there. He doesn't want to put the, the, the father and the son on the spotlight here and put them in a bad place. He heals them before the crowd gets to them. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. He looked like he was dead. So that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Now remember, Jesus' disciples are there. And they are learning some important lessons. Some lessons I hope that we can learn. In fact, Jesus is teaching them a lesson, a lesson that he wants them to learn, and that is the lesson of love. You see, when we fail, those times teaches us that we must not only depend on Christ, like Christ, we must also care for people. I see in this story real compassion by Jesus. We must have real compassion for those in need. And that's another area where his disciples had failed. They, 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 they didn't depend on Christ. And, and they didn't really care about this demonized boy and his father. They just wanted to demonstrate their abilities to be in the spotlight. Perhaps they wanted to impress the religious leaders around them and others that were gathered. Perhaps they wanted to show off their stuff. But whatever reason, they ended up only embarrassing themselves and getting into an argument. Getting into an argument with the teachers of the law and nearly destroying the faith of this father. On the other hand, Jesus, he really showed that he cared did you notice he asked the father a question? Did Jesus need to ask the father a question? No, he didn't, but he did to show that he cared. Furthermore, he listened to that father. That showed that he cared. He healed the boy before the crowd got around them. That showed that he cared. You know, that's the power of love, my friends. True love demonstrating itself over time. An argument, an argument never wins anybody over. It just makes people mad. As the disciples found out very quickly, but nothing is as powerful as the apologetic power of genuine love. Jesus showed love here. Faith, yes, and love, Yes. Those are the lessons that Jesus wants us to learn when we fail.
fail. And just so that we don't miss it, Jesus makes it very clear. When he gets alone with his disciples, look at verse 28. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why? Why could we not cast it out? Why did we fail? He said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. What do we do when we connect in prayer? We're connecting to God. When we pray, we're depending on God. We're taking the spotlight off of ourselves and putting it back where it belongs. On God. It was 1964. A city in Southeast Asia was, um, was going to get a new bell for their middle of their town. It was being transported on a big boat on the river leading up to the town. Unfortunately, because of warring factions, the boat was sunk and the bell went down. People tried to, to raise the bell. They brought in equipment. They brought in powerful equipment. They just couldn't get it out of the mud. It was sinking down in the bottom of that river, down in the mud. Finally, a man from that area said, I can get the bell up. But if I do, I get to decide where to put it. Well, the town folks said, okay, we'll let you decide where to put it here in the town. The man brought thousands and thousands and thousands of bamboo rods to the bank of the river. And he started tying those bamboo rods. Him and his assistants started tying the bamboo rods to the bell on the bottom of that river. And after thousands and thousands of bamboo rods tied to that bell, that bell was lifted up. Here's my point, and please don't miss it. Faith can lift the heaviest of burdens and overcome the highest of mountains if we believe. But so often we don't believe. We go through the motions, we pray, but we don't believe. As I've said before, if you pray for rain, you need to leave your house with an umbrella in your hand. One preacher said it like this. We're too busy to pray. And we're too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. Prayer is more than just a, an exercise to dress up our meeting, to dress up our worship service. Prayer is a vital link to the Almighty God without whom we can do nothing. We can do nothing. But on the other hand, with God, all things are possible. Philippians 4.13 is so true. Prayer. 
and care. Faith and love. Those are the lessons we must learn from the times that we fail if we're going to make a real difference in our world. Betty Tucker retired after working 47 years at her job at a children's hospital. When she retired, she was given the biggest reception that ever been given by that hospital. You're thinking right now, well, she must have been a, a VIP. She must have been the CEO or maybe a famous doctor or whatever. You know, someone important. She was the night shift cook. Why would a cook, a lady that never changed her job, never changed her shift, worked all those years as the cook, the main cook on the night shift, why would she be given such a big reception? Because every day of all those 40 plus years that she worked, before she would start her shift, she would always arrive about an hour early. And she'd go visit the new patients. See, she was working at a children's hospital, and, and often those patients, those kids would stay there for a while. Their length of stay was fairly long. And she'd go and visit the new patients and find out their name, find out what kind of food they liked. If the doctor, if the, if the food was on their uh, allowed menu, she would cook it special for them. She got to know the parents of that child. And she always carried a little notebook in her purse. And before she would leave that room, she would say, Now, is it okay if I pray for you? And usually, in almost all cases, the parents would say, Well, yes, please pray. And she'd write down the name of the child and the name of the parents as she was standing right there. And she'd say, I'm going to be praying for you. When she retired, biggest reception. Parents that she had impacted, children that she had impacted for all those years came. In fact, someone came that had been there the first year that she had been a cook. He had been a patient there in that hospital. Coming to honor a hospital cook. We can make a difference, folks. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some faith. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take love. It's going to take a caring attitude. For us to have an impact in this community, for people to notice God and know that God is here, that He's part of us, that we are God's children, is going to take time and prayer and care and faith and love. Are we ready to do that? Are we a Christian? Those are not my words. Those are the words of Jesus. Just read those verses. That's Jesus talking to you right there. If you are a Christian, can people tell it? If you were hauled off in a court of law, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Do you need to seek forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. The church stands ready to pray for you and with you. James 5, 16. What are you going to do? 
Nathan's got a song selected to encourage you. We pray you will be encouraged. Please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement.